Section 3 of Some Passages of the Life and Death of the Right Honourable John Earl of Rochester by Gilbert Burnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. He believed there was a supreme being. He could not think the world was made by chance, and the regular course of nature seemed to demonstrate the eternal power of its author. This, he said, he could never shake off, but when he came to explain his notion of the deity, he said, he looked on it as a vast power that wrought everything by the necessity of its nature, and thought that God had none of those affections of love or hatred which breed perturbation in us, and by consequence he could not see that there was to be either reward or punishment. He thought our conceptions of God were so low that we had better not think much of him, and to love God seemed to him a presumptuous thing, and the heat of fanciful men." therefore he believed there should be no other religious worship but a general celebration of that being in some short hymn all the other parts of worship he esteemed the inventions of priests to make the world believe they had a secret of incensing and appeasing god as they pleased in a word he was neither persuaded that there was a special providence about human affairs nor that prayers were of much use since that was to look on god as a weak being that would be overcome with importunities and for the state after death though he thought the soul did not dissolve at death yet he doubted much of rewards or punishments the one he thought too high for us to attain by our slight services and the other was too extreme to be inflicted for sin this was the substance of his speculations about god and religion i told him his notion of god was so low that the supreme being seemed to be nothing but nature for if that being had no freedom nor choice of its own action nor operated by wisdom or goodness all those reasons which led him to acknowledge a god were contrary to this conceit for if the order of the universe persuaded him to think there was a god he must at the same time conceive him to be both wise and good as well as powerful since these all appeared equally in the creation though his wisdom and goodness had ways of exerting themselves that were far beyond our notions or measures if god was wise and good he would naturally love and be pleased with those that resembled him in these perfections and dislike those that were opposite to him every rational being naturally loves itself and is delighted in others like itself and is averse to what is not so truth is a rational nature's acting in conformity to itself in all things and goodness is an inclination to promote the happiness of other beings so truth and goodness were the essential perfections of every reasonable being and certainly most eminently in the deity nor does his mercy or love raise passion or perturbation in him for we feel that to be a weakness in ourselves which indeed only flows from our want of power or skill to do what we wish or desire it is also reasonable to believe god would assist the endeavours of the good with some helps suitable to their nature and that it could not be imagined that those who imitated him should not be especially favoured by him and therefore since this did not appear in this state it was most reasonable to think it should be in another where the rewards shall be an admission to a more perfect state of conformity to god with the felicity that follows it and the punishments should be a total exclusion from him with all the horror and darkness that must follow that these seem to be the natural results of such several courses of life as well as the effects of divine justice rewarding or punishing for since he believed the soul had a distinct subsistence separated from the body upon its dissolution there was no reason to think it passed into a state of utter oblivion of what it had been informally 
but that as the reflections on the good or evil it had done must raise joy or horror in it so those good or ill dispositions accompanying the departed souls they must either rise up to a higher perfection or sink to a more depraved and miserable state in this life variety of affairs and objects do much cool and divert our minds and are on the one hand often great temptations to the good and give the bad some ease in their trouble but in a state wherein the soul shall be separated from sensible things and employed in a more quick and sublime way of operation this must very much exalt the joys and improvements of the good and as much heighten the horror and rage of the wicked so that it seemed a vain thing to pretend to believe a supreme being that is wise and good as well as great and not to think a discrimination will be made between the good and the bad which it is manifest is not fully done in this life as for the government of the world if we believe the supreme power made it there is no reason to think he does not govern it for all that we can fancy against it is the distraction which that infinite variety of second causes and the care of their concernments must give to the first if it inspects them all but as among men those of weaker capacities are wholly taken up with some one thing whereas those of more enlarged powers can without distraction have many things within their care as the eye can at one view receive a great variety of objects in that narrow compass without confusion so if we conceive the divine understanding to be as far above ours as his power of creating and framing the whole universe is above our limited activity we will no more think the government of the world a distraction to him and if we have once overcome this prejudice we shall be ready to acknowledge a providence directing all affairs a care well becoming the great creator as for worshipping him if we imagine our worship is a thing that adds to his happiness or gives him such a fond pleasure as weak people have to hear themselves commended or that our repeated addresses do overcome him through our mere importunity we have certainly very unworthy thoughts of him the true ends of worship come within another consideration which is this a man is never entirely reformed till a new principle governs his thoughts nothing makes that principle so strong as deep and frequent meditations of god whose nature though it be far above our comprehension yet his goodness and wisdom are such perfections as fall within our imagination and he that thinks often of god and considers him as governing the world and as ever observing all his actions will feel a very sensible effect of such meditations as they grow more lively and frequent with him so the end of religious worship either public or private is to make the apprehensions of god have a deeper root and a stronger influence on us the frequent returns of these are necessary lest if we allow of too long intervals between them these impressions may grow feebler and other suggestions may come in their room and the returns of prayer are not to be considered as favours extorted by mere importunity but as rewards conferred on men so well disposed and prepared for them according to the promises that god has made for answering our prayers thereby to engage and nourish a devout temper in us which is the chief root of all true holiness and virtue it is true we cannot have suitable notions of the divine essence as indeed have no just idea of any essence whatsoever since we commonly consider all things either by their outward figure or by their effects and from thence make inferences what their nature must be so though we cannot frame any perfect image in our minds of the divinity yet we may from the discoveries god has made of himself form such conceptions of him as may possess our minds with great reverence for him and beget in us such a love of those perfections as to engage us to imitate them 
For when we say we love God, the meaning is we love that being that is holy, just, good, wise, and infinitely perfect. And loving these attributes in that object will certainly carry us to desire them in ourselves. For whatever we love in another, we naturally, according to the degree of our love, endeavor to resemble it. In some, the loving and worshipping God, though they are just and reasonable returns and expressions of the sense we have of his goodness to us, yet they are exacted of us not only as a tribute to God, but as a means to beget in us a conformity to his nature, which is the chief end of pure and undefiled religion. If some men have at several times found out inventions to corrupt this and cheat the world, it is nothing but what occurs in every sort of employment to which men betake themselves, mountebanks, corrupt physic pettifoggers have entangled the matters of property and all possessions have been vitiated by the knaveries of a number of their calling with all these discourses he was not equally satisfied he seemed convinced that the impressions of god being much in men's minds would be a powerful means to reform the world and did not seem determined against providence but for the next state he thought it more likely that the soul began anew and that her sense of what she had done in this body lying in the figures that are made in the brain as soon as she dislodged all these perished and that the soul went into some other state to begin a new course but i said on this head that this was at best a conjecture raised in him by his fancy for he could give no reason to prove it true nor was all the remembrance our souls had of past things seated in some material figures lodged in the brain though it could not be denied but a great deal of it lay in the brain that we have many abstracted notions and ideas of immaterial things which depends not on bodily figures some sins such as falsehood and ill-nature were seated in the mind as lust and appetite were in the body and as the body was the receptacle of the soul and the eyes and ears were the organs of seeing and hearing so was the brain the seat of memory yet the power and faculty of memory as well as of seeing and hearing lay in the mind and so it was no unconceivable thing that either the soul by its own strength or by the means of some subtler organs which might be fitted for it in another state should still remember as well as think but indeed we know so little of the nature of our souls that it is a vain thing for us to raise a hypothesis out of the conjectures we have about it or to reject one because of some difficulties that occur to us since it is as hard to understand how we remember things now as how we shall do it in another state only we are sure we do it now and so we shall be then when we do it when i pressed him with the secret joys that a good man felt particularly as he drew near death and the horrors of ill men especially at that time he was willing to ascribe it to the impressions they had from their education but he often confessed that whether the business of religion was true or not he thought those who had the persuasions of it and lived so that they had quiet in their consciences and believed god governed the world and acquiesced in his providence and had the hope of an endless blessedness in another state the happiest men in the world and said he would give all that he was master of to be under those persuasions and to have the supports and joys that must needs flow from them i told him the main root of all corruptions in men's principles was their ill life which as it darkened their minds and disabled them from discerning better things so it made it necessary for them to seek out such opinions as might give them ease from those clamours that would otherwise have been raised within them he did not deny but that after the doing of some things he felt great and severe challenges within himself 
but he said he felt not these after some others which i would perhaps call far greater sins than those that affected him more sensibly this i said might flow from the disorders he had cast himself into which had corrupted his judgment and vitiated his taste of things and by his long continuance in and frequent repeating of some immoralities he had made them so familiar to him that they were become as it were natural and then it was no wonder if he had not so exact a sense of what was good or evil as a feverish man cannot judge of tastes he did acknowledge the whole system of religion if believed was a greater foundation of quiet than any other thing whatsoever for all the quiet he had in his mind was that he could not think so good a being as the deity would make him miserable i asked if when by the ill course of his life he had brought so many diseases on his body he could blame god for it or expect that he should deliver him from them by a miracle he confessed there was no reason for that i then urged that if sin should cast the mind by a natural effect into endless horrors and agonies which being seated in a being not subject to death must last for ever unless some miraculous power interposed could he accuse god for that which was the effect of his own choice and ill life he said they were happy that believed for it was not in every man's power and upon this we discoursed long about revealed religion he said he did not understand that business of inspiration he believed the penmen of the scriptures had heats and honesty and so writ but could not comprehend how god should reveal his secrets to mankind why was not man made a creature more disposed for religion and better illuminated he could not apprehend how there should be any corruption in the nature of man or a lapse derived from adam god's communicating his mind to one man was the putting it in his power to cheat the world for prophecies and miracles the world had been always full of strange stories for the boldness and cunning of contrivers meeting with the simplicity and credulity of the people things were easily received and being once received passed down without contradiction the incoherences of style in the scriptures the odd transitions the seeming contradictions chiefly about the order of time the cruelties enjoined the israelites in destroying the canaanites circumcision and many other rites of the jewish worship seemed to him infutable to the divine nature and the first three chapters of genesis he thought could not be true unless they were parables this was the substance of what he accepted to revealed religion in general and to the old testament in particular i answered to all this that believing a thing upon the testimony of another in other matters where there was no reason to suspect the testimony chiefly where it was confirmed by other circumstances was not only a reasonable thing but it was the hinge on which all the government and justice in the world depended since all courts of justice proceed upon the evidence given by witnesses for the use of writings is but a thing more lately brought into the world so then if the credibility of the thing the innocence and disinterestedness of the witnesses the number of them and the publicest confirmations that could possibly be given do concur to persuade us of any matter of fact it is a vain thing to say because it is possible for so many men to agree in a lie that therefore these have done it in all other things a man gives his assent when the credibility is strong on the one side and there appears nothing on the other side to balance it so such numbers agreeing in their testimony to these miracles for instances of our saviour's calling lazarus out of the grave the fourth day after he was buried and his own rising again after he was certainly dead if there had been never so many impostures in the world no man can with any reasonable colour pretend this was one we find both by the jewish and roman writers that lived in the time that our saviour was crucified and that all his disciples and followers believed certainly that he rose again
They believed this upon the testimony of the apostles, and of many hundreds who saw it, and died confirming it. They went about to persuade the world of it with great zeal, though they knew they were to get nothing by it but reproach and sufferings, and by many wonders which they wrought they confirmed their testimony. Now to avoid all this, by saying it is possible this might be a contrivance, and to give no presumption to make it so much as probable, that it was so, is in plain English to say, we are resolved, let the evidence be what it will, we will not believe it. End of section 3